Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Deuteronomy 26, Deuteronomy 26, so literally take it because you really are, if you do this properly, like you are getting to sit down with God Almighty, the Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit's help for Him to speak into your life tonight. Amen? Amen. Tonight, this will go right along with what we've been teaching on Sunday. Tonight's topic, making and keeping your profession. Making and keeping your profession. We're going to emphasize the word profession. You might want to underline that, circle that. uh, The word profession. Making and keeping what? Your profession. And we'll explain that in just a minute. King James has it that way and most of these verses we'll look at. The new King James changes it to confession. And that's what it involves. But we'll talk about why the word profession is so significant. If you are going to be successful through these last days, anybody want to be successful? If you want to overcome in these last days, anybody want to overcome? You're going to have to learn how to make and keep. Make and keep your profession. Number one, you must be sure that you are constantly, underline it, constantly, Making and keeping your profession. One of the number one things that needs to change in our life as New Testament believers is the words coming out of our mouth. We're going to refer to a lot of verses that we won't turn to tonight because obviously you could just spend weeks going over this topic. But we're going to touch and highlight on what are the key things are that Dr. Barclay points out here as we go through this study together and kind of overview uh, this study together. Uh, Deuteronomy 26 Deuteronomy 26, this actual profession we're talking about includes your giving. Includes what you do with your finances, which a lot of people don't think about. Uh, Deuteronomy 26, verse 1. It shall be when you come into the land. Let me, let me back up for a minute. So this is God now establishing in the law with the children of Israel what they're to do with their tithes and offerings. Realize again, for especially like I said all the time for those online, Tithes and offerings is not in quote-unquote aspect of the law. It is not of the law. It's in the law, but it's not of it. That which is of the law was absolute. It was only put in the law, established by God in the law for the time of the Old Testament. But tithing was before the law was ever established. Now, because it was already established, he actually instituted it in context to what they were doing in relationship to the law, but it's also in the New Testament as well. So here he's defining, and again, why do we have these verses about tithes and offerings in the Old Testament if it doesn't apply to us? Why? Why would he tell us all these details about tithes and offerings and things we're supposed to do in relationship to that if there was an application to us? There is. The Bible says the Old Testament was kept and written for our admonition to help us in the new. Amen? So how many understand this? Confession hasn't changed from the Old to New Testament. You listening? Confession is just as important in the New Testament as it is in the Old. 
Giving is just as important in the New Testament as it was in the Old. Because it's in the New Testament. So here he is giving some direction about the aspects of what they do when they're to honor God with their giving. 26.1. It shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it. So when was that for them? That was the second generation going into that promised land. As they went into that promised land, what did he give to each one of the tribes except Levi? He gave them a specific plot of land. Some were going to be farmers, some were going to be ranchers. So now what are they going to have now that they're in the promised land? Increase will come to them. They're going to actually get increase through the crops they plant and the livestock they raise. So God's saying when you get to that point where you now have this increase coming to you, notice what they're going to do. Verse 2, you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from the land that the Lord your God has given you. Why is it being established in their lives in the promised land? Because they were not, they were not harvesting crops out in the wilderness. What was God doing? Providing manna every day. Right? So they weren't raising crops. And they weren't raising livestock out in the wilderness. So he tells them, as you go into this promised land, you're going to take some of the first of the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land, that the Lord your God is what? Giving you. So who gave them all this to begin with? God did. He's the source of it all. Notice, you're going to put it in a basket, and you're going to go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Well, how does that apply to us today? Where does the Lord choose for us to bring our tithes and offerings primarily where his name abides? Where we come into his house to be fed the word of God. As we know in Malachi, he talks about the very uh, aspect of it being your storehouse. Where the word of God is stored up for you. Now notice verse 3, watch this. And you shall, notice this, you shall go to the one who is priest in those days, Aaron in their day. You shall go to this one who's priest in your days, and you shall say to him, watch this, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to your fathers to give me. What were they supposed to do? Bring this tithe and offering in a basket and make a profession. Make a profession, or if you want to say confession, but I'm going to explain now why the significance of the word profession. Why profession? Well, think about the simple definition of the word profession. What's a profession? It's what somebody does, obviously, from a perspective of what we would say a living or all the time. Like if you were a professional athlete, that means that you are basically doing what? You are fulfilling the role of an athlete all the time. Profession is significant to the word confession. The word profession refers to our confession, but what he's saying is it needs to become your profession. Confessing what God says needs to become your profession. It needs to be something you do and live in every day. This is to now be your lifestyle. This is how you're supposed to live if you want to walk in the things of God. Now, if you don't want to walk in the things of God, just ignore what he's saying. But if you want to walk in the things of God, how many understand that you've got to change your confession to actually make it now a profession or that which you do as a lifestyle that lines up with what God said you're to say. Amen. So in the giving time context of what they were to do, notice they were to declare that the Lord God had done what? He had brought them into that place he promised 
and he had given them what they now have. What are we supposed to do when we give our tithes and offerings? You at some point, as I've taught you, are to go back to your seat or to do it while you're bringing it up and you're to acknowledge to God, Father, you gave me this and now I get to honor you with it. This is a part of your giving because there's three parts to giving. Biblically, all through the Bible, Old and New Testament, what are those three parts? The monetary, the actual money, right? What's another part? The worship, the acknowledgement or context of worship of what you're doing to worship and honor your God. What's the third part? The third part is your continued profession. Your continued profession of speaking over what you have given in relationship to what God said you're to say. This is what he's telling them. He's telling them every time you bring a context of what you're honoring God with, you're supposed to make a profession. You're supposed to make a declaration. Because here's why. If you do, you're going to see this in a minute. You now have a high priest. What's his name? Tell me. So here they were to take this and bring it to their high priest and make their profession before their high priest. I'm not your high priest. I'm your pastor. I don't have a role of high priest. The Bible does say in the New Testament, Hebrews 7, here mortal men, it doesn't say priests. It says mortal men receive the tithe. But there in heaven... It is witnessed from he who whoever liveth that he receives it. And who's it talking about in Hebrews 7? 6 and 7. Jesus. Talking about our high priest who's now under the order of Melchizedek, who was a high priest sent to Abraham before Aaron or the actual context of the law ever was established. Now here's what's important to understand. When they brought their uh, tithes and offerings to Aaron and made their profession, they declared it out loud. God's our provider. He's blessed us. I'm honoring God with this and I'm worshiping God with this. Now what was Aaron's responsibility after they spoke that profession? After all the children of Israel had honored God with their tithes and offerings, Aaron was responsible when he went into the actual temple to speak on behalf of the people. And declare on behalf of the people what they were now doing to God. And therefore God would honor it and God would move upon what he had spoken. And bring forth his word to pass in the lives of the children of Israel. A high priest is one who goes before God on your behalf. And they are acknowledging before God on your behalf what God has promised. You have a high priest now under the New Testament. His name is Jesus. He, like, quote-unquote, Aaron of the Old Testament, is to take your profession before the Father and bring that before God and therefore see to it that His Word is returned to Him. When His Word is returned to Him, it will not return void. God said He will see to it that it will accomplish what He sent it to do. But how does it return to Him? It returns to Him through you, to your high priest Jesus, who then actually, like Aaron, goes before the Father... And decrees it before the Father on your behalf. Are you listening? Point number 1A. When you tithe is when you make your worship profession before the Lord. In the house of God, when you tithe, you're supposed to be making a worship profession. What are you supposed to be doing? Thank you, Father, for what you've blessed me with. Thank you, Father, for what you've given me. I now worship you. With this tithe, I now worship you with this offering. Thank you for being my provider. Thank you for blessing me. So you're supposed to do it every time. I said you're supposed to do it every time. 
Oh, well, we haven't taught them this. Yeah, we have. We've talked about this on and off many times. So this is something you need to do every time you bring your tithe and offering. You can do it on your way up. You can do it while you're putting it in the basket. You can go back and stand at your seat while we're praying and honor God and say it then. But you're supposed to make a profession over what you're honoring God with because God wants to bring his provision into your life to pass. Come on, somebody. 1B, watch this. You make this profession verbally and aloud while your pastor and brethren are present during the time you present it. 1C, this time of worship is the most important part of the tithing process. Why? Why is this part, why is this time of worship with my mouth, honoring God for what he's given me, why is this the most important part of the tithing process? He doesn't need your money. You need his help. What he needs is he needs your heart. And when you honor God with your giving and do it from your heart, God knows he has all of you. And because God has all of you, guess what? He can help all of you and work in your life to help accomplish what he wants in your life. As well as through your life. The worship is far more vital than the, the, the actual finances you're putting into the bucket or in the basket in this case because you're worshiping God with it. 1D, this is why you tithe consistently and often. It gives you periodic opportunities to speak out what is in your heart. 1E, you speak it aloud so that God and even the demons can hear you make your profession. Amen? Because when you do, you buffet the air. And you are declaring God is your provider. You're declaring he is the one who gave you what you have. And he's the one that's going to continue to do what he said. I get a better amen. Notice this. uh, 1F, if you you are not making your profession, listen, then you have no words by which you can live by. If you are not making your profession, then you have no words by which you can live by. You're just still living basically really kind of under the old uh, system of what you were doing before you were a believer. Because you're not confessing anything God says about your finances. How many times have you heard me say, it's not only important you worship God here with your giving, but what do you do when you walk out the door? See, what are you saying once you leave here? Because if you're not still saying the same thing, you're cursing yourself. Are you still here? Watch this, 1G. This passage of Scripture teaches us how, how to make a basic profession before the Lord. How do I do that, Pastor? Thank you, Father. You don't have to word it just like they said. It's the context of from your heart saying, Thank you, Father, that I have something to give. Thank you that you have blessed me. Thank you that I get to bring this and honor you tonight. I get to honor you today on a Sunday and honor you, my God, and help with the work of the kingdom. Thank you for blessing me. And when you do that, you're making a profession that your high priest in heaven, Jesus, now takes before the Father. You're about to see this. So realize, just like Aaron, you now have a high priest. And therefore, when we make our profession, Hebrews 7 says, He is the one, whoever lives, who literally then takes what we have said and takes it before the Father on our behalf. Just like Aaron did in the days of the Old Testament. Any amens on that? Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Now, realize I probably should teach on it more especially on Sunday mornings about the importance of your profession, but it's important you, I mean, once you learn it, it should be your lifestyle. It's not a confession, it is a profession. It's how I live now. It's how I live now. How do I live as a believer when I bring my tithes and offerings? I worship God. 
by my own lips tell him how grateful I am that I have something to bring, that he's my source, he's my provider. He will take care of me and he'll do what he said. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 3, number 2 on your notes, you need to learn as I've been talking about, you need to learn now that Jesus Christ is the high priest of your profession. Obviously not Aaron, certainly not. He's in heaven. But guess who is? Jesus is. I said Jesus is. How do you know? Hebrews 3.1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, underline this please, consider the apostle and high priest, make a note of this, of our confession. Of our what? Confession. He's the high priest of what? What is he the high priest of? Come on, church, help me out tonight. What is he the high priest of? Your confession. King James says profession here because you're supposed to be doing it all the time. So a high priest is one who takes again, Old Testament, Aaron high priest took what the children of Israel gave, what they confessed, what they decreed. He now goes into the Holy of Holies. He therefore, at the time he was to bring the blood sacrifices, honors God and decrees to God what they had spoken as they brought those tithes and offerings and sacrifices to him. Who's our high priest? Jesus is. What is he high priest over? Over your confession. What's a high priest do? Takes that confession before the Father, and therefore in declaring it to the Father, the Word has now returned to God. And because the Word has returned to God, it will not return void. The Bible says it will accomplish the very thing for which it was sent. But what if you're not making a profession? Jesus has nothing to take, take before the Father on your behalf. What if I'm not making my profession? Jesus has nothing to take before the Father on your behalf. So again, consider the apostle and high priest of what? Our confession, Christ Jesus. On your notes, 2A. Jesus, the high priest, has a duty. Every high priest has responsibilities. Every high priest all through the Old Testament had responsibilities. Jesus is a high priest. God hasn't changed the very fact that a high priest still has what? Responsibilities. So Jesus, this high priest, has a duty or responsibility to do what? Take your words and present them to the Heavenly Father. Just like Aaron was supposed to do in the Old Testament on behalf of the children of Israel. To be, Jesus told us, Jesus told us he would confess us before the Father. Remember that? As long as we did what? Confessed him before men. If we're acknowledging what he says about us before men, guess what he's doing? He's acknowledging that before the Father on your behalf. Why? He's your high priest. 2C, when you speak out, listen, when you speak out your healing, for example, is when Jesus takes those words to the presence of the Father. When you're declaring by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed, Jesus is going before the Father and he's actually now taking your confession, your profession and telling the Father, I did this for them. They're decreeing it. They're speaking it. I now present it to you, Father. I now present it to you. Uh, C1, the price was paid at Calvary. Yes, no, maybe. Yes, no, maybe. So the manifestation begins as the high priest does his ministry. His word does not return to him void. But it's not returning to him if you're not worshiping and praising God through your profession. Amen? I said amen. 2D, your salvation begins the same way, does it not? 
Your salvation begins the same way. When you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, what happens? Guess what? Jesus acknowledges it. The Heavenly Father sends the Holy Spirit. You get born again. It don't happen until you do what? Believe and speak it. Uh, uh, 2E. Jesus is the high priest again of what? Your profession. Because it's supposed to be your lifestyle. He, say this, say this real quick. Say, Jesus is my high priest. Therefore, every high priest has a responsibility unto God to fulfill their priestly role. Everybody does. He's your high priest. He has a responsibility to fulfill his priestly role on your behalf before the Father. That's why he's seated at the right hand of God. That's why the Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's not praying for you, folks. I love what Dr. Roy Hicks said. Just his presence alone there is proof that he has bridged the gap between us and the Father. Because your high priest is sitting there with his desire to fulfill his role of responsibility for you. For you. Tell me that ain't good. If this don't preach you happy, I really don't know what will. <clears throat> really don't. We might really need to start doing some Jericho marches at the start of this church to get some blood circulating and some people excited. You listening? 2F, notice this. If you are not enjoying, listen carefully. I didn't read all of 2E, sorry. Jesus is the high priest of your profession, so be sure to give him plenty to speak before the Father. So what if you're not speaking God's words? He can't do anything with that. You're actually nullifying what God says. Notice this now, 2F. If you are not enjoying the Father's best, then then you probably are not making your profession often enough. You still here? Tell somebody, he's preaching better than your amen tonight. You don't think this isn't the truth? We're reading scripture to you. He is the high priest over your what? What is he the high priest over? Why do you need a high priest over your confession if you don't need to make a confession? What do you need a high priest over your confession for? That that verse, Hebrews 3.1, isn't written to sinners. It's talking to believers. Hey, brethren, hey, born-again believers, come on, consider the apostle and high priest. If you consider him, what are you going to do? You're going to make the right profession so you give your high priest something to do. 2G, because Jesus is the high priest of your profession, he is waiting, underline it, he is waiting for the words of your mouth so he can fulfill his call and ministry. Did you get that? He is waiting. Say he's waiting. Tell your neighbor, he's waiting on you. What's he waiting on? He is waiting for your words to be spoken in line with God's words so he can do what? Fulfill his priestly ministry. Number three. Number three. We must not only make our profession, we must learn to do what? Tell me. This is a problem for some believers. Because you can get them to agree with you as a pastor and speak stuff after you. But what about when you're not here? What about when the pastor ain't telling you what to say? What about when the pastor's trying to even try to get you fired up in church and you just kind of want to sit there like a bump on the log? You ought to get excited about this, man. This is a help to your life. Praise God. 
Hebrews chapter 4. And by the way, if you think about it, when you're making a profession of the Word of God, what are you really declaring? You are declaring God's Word. But let me help you. Let me tell you what you're declaring. You're declaring what's already yours. You're declaring what already belongs to you. What Jesus, as one who came and took your place, purchased for you. What his blood was shed to accomplish and purchase for you. So you're just declaring what really is already yours. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4.14. Notice this. Seeing then that we have a what? Seeing then that we have a what? Would you shout it at me one time? Do you think he's a great high priest? Shout it at me. So seeing that we have this great high priest, what's he high priest over? Over your confession. Seeing we have this great high priest over our confession, who is what? Passed through the heavens. He's there before the Father. He's already there. Say he's already there. Watch what it tells you to do. Jesus, the Son of God, what do we do? Hold fast. What do we do? Our what? Confession or profession. Why? Because he's the high priest over your confession. He's already passed into heaven. He's already by the Father. What's he there to do? Fulfill his high priestly role, uh, uh, ministry on your behalf. But he's waiting for words. I said he's waiting for words. Because he's the high priest over your confession, here it tells you to hold fast to that confession. If you hold fast to it, what's that mean? You don't let it go. If you don't let, if you don't let it go, what would, that, what would that indicate? You're saying it every day. You're not just decreeing it in church. You're not holding fast to your profession if you're just saying it in church. You're not holding fast to your profession if you only say what the Bible says you have when your pastor tells you to. And so you are obviously not keeping Jesus very busy on your behalf. Amen. What are we talking about tonight? What are we talking about tonight? What are we talking about tonight? We are talking about you and I keeping and maintaining a godly profession. Amen. Notice this, 3A, very important. You got to hold fast to your confession. To, uh, 3B, don't change your mind and thus change your words every other day. 3C, make your profession when you tithe and then do what? Keep saying it each day until you tithe again. This is supposed to be your profession now. Tell your neighbor, I think I'm starting to learn about my new profession. Amen? 3C, Make your profession when you tithe and keep saying it each day till you tithe again. 3D, hold to the words of your profession and do what? Live accordingly. 3E, keep your confession in line with the word of God and then you can do what? Come boldly to God for help. He talks about that in verse 16. Let us therefore do what? I didn't read the rest of the verses. My, my apology. So 14 through 16. So we are to recognize this high priest of our confession. 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows what we deal with. Right? He knows what we deal with. But he was in all points tempted as we are without sin. Therefore let us do what? Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find what? We may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So recognize when he says, understand you have a high priest that can sympathize with your weakness, guess what? If you don't recognize that, guess what you'll do? You, you won't have a good profession. Right. 
If you don't believe God sympathizes with what you, you know, struggle with in this life, if you don't believe that you honestly believe God sympathizes with that, you're not going to say what God says. You're going to say how bad your situation is. You're going to be, oh, woe is me. God must not care. Why didn't he do something about this? He already did. And he's waiting for you to start releasing words so he can bring it to pass. Amen. Amen. But he not only sympathizes, guess what? Because he sympathizes, what should you and I do? Make sure that we understand the fact that if we will hold fast to this profession, acknowledging what God says, what God's truth says, then we will do what? We will come before the throne and receive mercy and grace, what we need to help us in our time of need. How do you come, how do you come boldly before the throne of God? How do you come bold? How do you come boldly before the throne of God? These verses just told you. How do you come boldly before the throne of God? Your confession. Who's there waiting to take your words you speak and take them before the Father? Jesus is. How do you come boldly before the throne of God? Know what Jesus has done and boldly confess it. When you decree it, you are coming before the throne of God. How are you coming before the throne of God? Because you, you're not going there. You're still here. But as you speak God's words, who's taking that before the Father on your behalf? Jesus says, guess what you're doing? You're coming boldly. You're coming boldly before the Father through your confession because Jesus is taking it before the Father. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to start receiving help. You're going to start receiving help. Now the word confession in verse 14, if you looked it up, it actually means acknowledgement of the truth. Acknowledgement of the truth. Jesus is the one who oversees us acknowledging the truth, takes it before the Father, and when he does, it's like you going there yourself. It's like you coming boldly before the Father with your petition, what you have need of, because as you're decreeing the Word of God, how many understand if you are talking to God or praying to God and trying to get help and all you're doing is talking your problem, you'll get no answers. Right? What do you do? You talk the answer. You decree what Jesus did, and when you do, guess what Jesus does? Goes before the Father. Guess what you're doing? You're coming boldly to receive from the Father what Jesus has provided. Oh, come on, somebody. So it's important you understand this. It's so key for us to walk this out. Uh, 3E, again, keep your confession in line with what? The Word of God, and then you can do what? Come boldly to God for help. 3F, know that your confession works just as well in troubled times as it does in easy times. It don't matter what the situation is. It's working. I said it's working. 3G, you can literally change the environment around you by the words that you normally speak. I've used the example of Jerry Savelle and his grandkids many, many times. Notice this, 3H, words are free. Come on, think about this. Words are free, yet they're worth more than money. They're worth far more than money because a faith-filled confession can do far more for you than money can. Money can't get you delivered from a terminal disease or a sickness, but God can. I said God can. So tell me words aren't more important. And they're free. They're available to you every day. Words are free, but they're worth more than money. Three I, it costs you nothing. Think about it. It costs you nothing to speak what the Bible says. What does it cost you? Nothing. It literally costs you nothing just to say what the Bible says. 
3J, remember that you have a church confession and then you also have your everyday confession. Right? Not just on the tithe, but on anything. So yeah, you should be confessing in the church obviously what you're knowing God has done for you through Jesus Christ. But you should also have that confession every day. Why? It's now my new profession. J1, it's your everyday confession, listen, underline it, that is coming to pass in your life. Circle, highlight, or underline that statement. It's your everyday confession that's coming, that is coming to pass in your life. If you feel wore out all the time, you need to change your profession. Come on. If you feel stressed, you need to change your profession. You got no peace, you need to change your confession. It's your everyday confession that's coming to pass in your life. Not just what you say in church. You can say it in church, but if you walk out of here and then counteract that, I guarantee you that's what's going to come to pass in your life. There's somebody else who waits around to bring your words to pass. His name is the devil. And when you speak in line with what he wants you to say, you give him access to your life. 3K, remember that Jesus told us a man is justified and condemned by the words of his mouth. Matthew 12, 37. What do you mean justified or condemned? Jesus said by your own words you are justified or by your own words you're condemned. Guess what nobody else's words can do? Justify you or condemn you. What's justified mean? Delivered and set free. What's condemned mean? Imprisoned and bound. Your own words are either uh, liberating you or they're causing you to be in bondage. 3L. I want my camera lady to come sit up in the front row from now on. She's, I get more enthusiasm from the very back of the camera lady, Tamara, back here, it seems like. Praise God. You ought to get excited about this stuff. For many of you, you're getting answers to a lot of the issues you're dealing with. You just don't realize it. You just got to realize if you don't speak in line with the Bible to give Jesus something to work with and the Father something to work with, he has no way to bring that to pass in your life. Uh, 3L, Jesus also taught us. He also taught us that it's, when, it's, what, excuse me, it's what comes out of a man's mouth that can hurt him, not what goes in. Matthew 15, 11. He said it's out of your mouth, your words spoken, that causes defilement or destruction, not what you eat. What you eat gets eliminated. The food you eat is not going to cause your life to be defiled or destroyed. The words you speak will. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Lord, I pray you delve this into our spirit band, that we get a hold of what we're hearing, that we realize the significance of how this can help us to walk in the liberty that the word of God says we have, that the truth really can free us. Jesus' name. 3M, the Bible also teaches us that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. 3N, the Bible also tells us that a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 15, 4. How many want a tree of life instead of a tree of death? A wholesome tongue. That word wholesome means a healing tongue. How do you speak healing? Speak the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1. His word is medicine. Medicine. Back up to 2 Timothy chapter 1. You know, we emphasize words all the time in this church, but this is so important to understand. 
It's not just important to know how important words are. You better start doing something to change the words that's coming out of your mouth if you want to see God and Jesus work in your life. Number four, the Bible also teaches us to do what? Hold fast the form or pattern of sound words. Create a pattern, lifestyle of sound words. 2 Timothy 1, 13. Hold fast the pattern, 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 pattern of sound words. Which you've heard from me, Paul told Timothy. Notice this, words that were spoken in faith and love which are also what? In Christ Jesus. What's a pattern? So, you know, you think about my grandma, man. My grandma made dresses all the time. She had this huge table my grandpa made her that was down in the basement of their home. And she would make dresses for women all the time. They'd order dresses from her and she'd, you know, go by the, the actual, you know, the little plans, pull them out as a pattern. And that, that table was for her to set the material out and do what? Put the pattern on. And you put the pattern on it, you cut it out. When you put the pattern on it, you cut it out. You got what you need to sew together, and you, got, you get results. You get what you wanted, of, obviously, in the picture that was on the front of the package of the pattern. How many want to get a picture of what's in here? Yeah. This is the pattern. This is the pattern. Look at Paul. Look at Jesus. Look at those who spoke in faith and love and say, there's my pattern. That's my pattern. I'm going to hold fast to the pattern of sound words. And if I do, you're using the right pattern. And when you cut it out and you put it all together, guess what you're going to do? You're going to get what's on the picture in the, in the package. Tell somebody, you need to hear that again. Praise the Lord. So go get the recording and rewind it. But I'm telling you, this is the pattern that you're supposed to go by. Number four in your notes. Again, 4A, this means we are to do what? Create a pattern of sound words in our life. 4B, hold fast here, means that you will have to pay attention. Listen carefully. To hold fast the pattern of sound words means you got to pay attention and exert some energy to do this or it will not happen. Because all of a sudden, you'll lose sight of the pattern and you'll go back to speaking the way of your flesh. 4C, you want to make sure that your words are sound words so that your confession is in line with the Word of God. C1, on the last page of your notes, this assures, if you do this, a pattern of sound words, this assures that the Lord will bring your words to pass. Underline it. If I stick with a pattern of sound words, cutting out the pattern properly, doing what Scripture said, I'm following the example of those in the Bible who lived by faith, walked in love, and I'm going to follow their example. And if I do that, guess what? I'm going to get results because Jesus now has something to work with. Deuteronomy, in closing tonight, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Are you helped tonight at all? I hope you're getting this, man. See, we're learning about the importance and the significance in this day you and I live in of making and keeping your profession. Making and keeping your profession. You honestly cannot talk about one thing that will change your life more than your words. In the Bible. You need your mind renewed to the Word because obviously if you don't know the Word, how are you going to speak it? But I'm just saying, what is it that causes more change in our life than anything else we can name? More than prayer. Seriously. More than prayer. More than worship. 
more than any aspect of what you can name in relationship and in context to what the Bible teaches us of things we're to learn. And I agree, confessing the word is a type of prayer, but I'm talking about like, you know, praying to God about stuff. Your profession, your daily words, your daily words will have a greater impact on your life. They already are. They're, they're what's impacting your life now, as we've been talking about on Sundays. So, Deuteronomy chapter 8, are you there? Yes. Number 5 on your notes. You and I must create a lifestyle of giving glory to the Lord our God. Yes. I'll say it again. You and I must create a lifestyle of giving glory, giving glory to the Lord our God. Because if you don't do that, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to hold fast to a pattern of sound words. You're not going to be confessing what God says because of obviously you're not giving God glory. You're not going to be speaking in line with God's word. If you're speaking in line with God's word, guess what you're doing? You're giving glory to God. So you and I should live with the desire of a lifestyle to give glory to God in our life all the time. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11. You with me? Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. By not keeping his commandments. This is talking about after they would come into the promised land. You've come into your promised land. You've come into your new covenant with God. Beware that you don't forget the Lord your God. By keeping, by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. This isn't talking about me and you necessarily building new homes. We've entered into a new covenant. Filled with better promises. So you've already entered into this. 13. When your herds and your flocks multiply, your silver, your gold are multiplied, all that you have is multiplied. When your heart is lifted up, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How does that relate to me and you? I've taught you this many times. How does them coming out of Egypt of the house of bondage relate to me and you? Coming out of sin. Being born again. It's a type and shadow of me and you being born again. There's a lot of people born again today. They ain't near as excited about their salvation today as they were when they got born again. They've lifted up their hearts. They've totally forgotten what God's done for them. They're not excited about it in the least anymore. They don't even rejoice in it anymore. You still here. So this is what applies to us. As to us now being born again. 15. He said, who led you? God led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which there were fiery serpents, scorpions, thirsty land, where there was no water, no way to get born again for us who brought water for you out of the flinty rock. Even in the midst of this evil, uh, horrible, wicked world that we live in, God brought us through it to a place of salvation through Jesus Christ. 16, who also fed you in the wilderness with manna. He got you through all that time before you got born again. Come on. When your fathers did not know that he might humble you, that he might test you to do you good, good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he. Come on. It is he who gives you the power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. A lot of Christians have truly lost the joy of their salvation. Sadly. I pray you're not one of them. How do you not become one of them? You continue to walk in a life of giving glory to God. 
and honoring God. If you can't honestly worship God from your heart during a time of praise and worship, that tells me you're probably not glorifying God when you leave here. And the sad part about it is you're missing out on the fellowship of the Father and what God desires to do in your life. Because when you give Him glory, He can work in your life. Amen? Uh, Number five, again, you and I, say I, must create a lifestyle of giving glory to the Lord our God. How do you give Him glory? How did Abraham give Him glory? The Bible says Abraham, this man of faith, Romans chapter 4, literally did not consider what he saw in the natural, beyond natural hope, in hope, what God had given him a promise of, he believed. And the Bible says he was strong in faith. Strong in faith. What does faith have as a part of its working? A bold confession. He was strong in faith. He was declaring boldly what God said about him. I'm Abraham. I'm Abraham. And the Bible said, he being strong in faith, giving glory to God. How did he give glory to God? He kept professing who God said he was. I get a better amen. Just tell your neighbor, you just need to start declaring who you are in God. I'm tired. I couldn't find that verse in the Bible. I'm wore out. I can't find that verse in the Bible. I've had it. I can't find that verse in the Bible. Come on. I'm defeated. I can't find that defeated verse in the Bible for any believer. You still here? It should not just be in church you're saying I'm more than a conqueror. Five eight. Trying to help you. Five eight. It is the Lord. It is the Lord who gives us the power to get wealth. That's not just finances, but the ability to get anything. It's Him that gives us that ability. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to be born again, and God's already in the sinner's life giving them power to get wealth. They wouldn't even be able to get up in the morning had God not obviously brought them into existence. God's the one that actually gave them the initial spirit they had before it was fallen. God gave them the body that they're living in out of the dust of the ground through man and woman. He started all of that. Well, guess what? They couldn't do what they do had it not been for God. Where does every single human on the planet originate from? God. Well, who gave them that ability? God did. Hallelujah. 5B, be sure to consistently praise Him for it. Be sure to consistently praise Him for it. Be sure to consistently praise Him for it. For what? The power He gives you to get wealth. The power He gives you to walk in victory in this life. How about you start praising God for strength in your body? Lord, you're the strength of my life. You know, Kenneth Hagin, after being raised off of his deathbed, was a little skin and bone nothing of a, of a, of a, of a human. I mean, he had no strength at all, no muscles. I mean, he had been bed fast for 18 months. Go lay in a bed for 18 months and see where your body is 18 months later. No strength at all. And you know what? After being raised up off that deathbed, they, he needed money. He needed to help the family. And you know what he went to work doing? You know what he went to work doing? He went to work pulling up, what, what kind of, I think, peach I think it was peach trees. He was a peach tree puller. 
There was a guy in town that would hire all the young boys in town to come out all day long. Guess when they started? They had to be at the place where they were picked up to get on his trailer to ride out to his property before daylight. When it was still dark and they had to be on that property before daylight. They sat on that trailer till the sun gave them a little bit of light. And the moment it did, they went two by two and started pulling up peach trees. And guess how long they pulled them up till it got dark and they couldn't see them anymore. Anybody here been on your deathbed for 18 months and then became a peach tree puller? Six days a week. Sun up to sundown. And we think we're tired? I think that wear you out. And you know what? He said, had I not understood the power of my confession, had I not understood the power of my God, I couldn't have done it. He said, all these boys, way bigger than me, Way bigger than he said. Every day we'd show up to, at the tra- at the place where he'd come with his trader to pick us up, and there would be boys that had fallen out. They wouldn't show up, man. They ain't coming back. Ain't no way. And there was this big old boy named Alton Lewis, and he was like big old heavy heavy guy, you know, real like a you know young football player guy. He said, "I'll be here when you're all gone." He said, "No, you won't. I'll be here even when you're gone, Mister Lewis. I'll still be here." He said, "You're crazy." He said, "Nope. The God is the strength of my life." And he said, I would start confessing from the time I got up in the morning, feeling in the natural and the physical just wore out. But I'd say, God's the strength of my life. God's the strength of my life. God's the strength of my life. You can think it's a fantasy. You can think it's a fairy tale. You can think whatever you want. But he would sit there and say it. And he said, you know what? Till I grabbed that first peach tree, nothing changed. But the moment I grabbed that first peach tree and I started to pull that, he said, it was like something fell over top of me. He said, I could just, it was like a blanket, man. And it just came over and he said man a supernatural strength would come over me and all day long I'd pull peach trees under that power he wasn't pulling peach trees under his power all day long I'd pull those peach trees under that power he said when I got done with the last one he said it would lift and I would go home because guess what would happen if it wouldn't lift folks he couldn't sleep you're not going to sleep under that anointing you're not going to sleep under that power Your body does have to have physical rest. And he'd go home and he'd rest. Guess who was the last man standing? Guess who was the last man standing? All through that summer, guess who was the last man at the end of summer? Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin. He said, why are you doing this, son? He said, because I told God if he got me up off my deathbed, I'd go preach. Well, what are you doing here? I need some money. What for? I need some preaching shoes. I need a preaching suit. I can go down to Penny's and get me a good little preaching suit and some shoes for about 20-something. This is Depression Day, 20-something bucks. Yeah, yeah. And I need that money so I can go preach. I, got it. I told God I'd go preach. And he said, listen, son. He said, if you're that determined to honor God with your life, he said, listen, I don't normally keep guys on beyond the summer, but I got some additional work to do in delivering these. How would you like to stay with me for a while? He said, yeah. yeah all right. And so he did. Then he actually wound up traveling with him and delivering peach trees for about two or three months. Took all the money saved up, went and bought him a brand new J.C. Penney suit, brand new set of J.C. Penney shoes and socks, and took off preaching. God is the strength of my life. God is the strength of my life. God, you know why most of us don't have strength? Because we ain't making our profession. Come on. He's the one that gives you the power. 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 
I'd love to get some better amens in this church tonight. This will so help you if you live this out. Again, notice this. Our words, 5D. Our words, excuse me, I, I finished with 5C. Go to 5D. Uh, our words must match the thankfulness. You listening? I, don't, I think I skipped over 5C. Be sure to constantly remind yourself that you did nothing and give God the glory. You wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for him. 5D, our words must match the thankfulness that's in our heart for the Lord's help in our life. Oh, that's powerful. Our words must match the thankfulness that is in our heart for the Lord's help in our life. 5E, your profession should be filled with gratitude and praise for God, and your lifestyle should prove the same. Summary, A, tithe consistently and make your profession each time that you do. And after you do, what should you do? Your profession should continue outside of church. B, your profession should be made aloud in church. C, you should keep saying your profession each day until you tithe again and make a fresh profession. D, you, uh, you need to act according to your profession. Faith without works is... Dead. E, do not let anything or anybody rob you. Do not let anything or anybody rob you from the words of your mouth. Hold fast to your profession. Shake somebody next to say, you need to go listen to this message again. If you will learn to make a proper profession in line with God, do it with gratitude and learn to live it. It becomes your lifestyle. Your high priest has something to take before the Father. His word does not return to him void. It now accomplishes the thing that he sent it. Your life, could be, your life and mine could be so much different if we got truly serious about this and said, Lord, that's my new lifestyle right there. That's my new lifestyle. That is my new profession in Jesus' name. Could I get a, could I get a better amen? Stand your feet. Praise God. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.